Um, welcome back to the last post uh, news roundup um, for the issue April 27th. It's actually my last one, Kane. Final one, Andrew. We're, we're here. We're we here. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long four month journey, but look, we got there in the end. An enjoyable one as well. An enjoyable one. Um, lots of learning and all, all this podcasting business, right? You've learned all you have and now you're off. Now I'm off, I'll take it. <laughs> um, this podcast, we're going to bring you um, Limerick local news in bite-sized portions, as we've done for the last couple of months, as we said. Um, there's lots of bustle around. Uh, it's because we're on site in Sexton's Bar on Henry Street. Um, Enjoying some lovely pizzas. The only wood-fired pizza uh, in Limerick City. Delicious. Uh, it is very delicious. Um, remember, you can keep up to date with all the Limerick news on Twitter. LinkedIn and Facebook at Limerick Post, hashtag keeping Limerick posted, and on limerickpost.ie. Um, now, listeners can't see, but Andrew was wearing an apron. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're cooking up a podcast. Cooking up a podcast. Um, so I'm going to kick off for the last time with my news editor, head of news, Jerry Collison. Jerry yeah. Collison. <laughs> um, Jerry, some stories that caught your, caught your eye this week. Um, a sad start, possibly, with... The death of Carmel Collins. Yeah, um, and that, that's a funeral that just took place today. Um, Carmel Collins would be known to a lot of people as um, the wife of Stephen Collins and the mother of the late Roy Collins. Um, but Carmel Collins was an awful lot more. Um, she was the woman, she was really the strength behind the Collins family as they took on some of the most um, vicious people that, that ever ever roamed the streets of Limerick. Um, their story began um, in April 2009 when Roy Collins was murdered outside the casino in Roxburgh that he managed uh, for the family alongside the steering wheel pub. He was only 35 years old and uh, his death sparked um, outrage and protest throughout Limerick and many people have credited that with the turnaround in Limerick's fortunes and the fact that uh, those days now are behind the city but in many ways that's a legacy to, to Carmel Collins and, and listeners will remember that the Collins family were first targeted because they stood up against the, the gangland terror of the McCarthy Dundons when a 14 year old girl was refused entry to a bar yeah, that's right. And um, that had consequences because that 14-year-old girl turned out to be um, a sister, a younger sister of uh, Wayne Dundon. And the same Wayne Dundon um, came along and, and uh, exacted revenge from, from Ryan Lee, who's a, a, a son of Carmel Collins. And um, that set in train a, a, a dreadful a series of events that culminated in the murder of, of Roy Collins. Um, I'm sure several people will, will recall the uh, big red march that was, uh, went through Limerick City when up to 5,000 people marched from uh, Perry Square to City Hall. And um, they followed behind Carmel, Carmel Collins um, to reclaim their city from, from these, uh, these people that had uh, cast a shadow over it for so many years. Um, the fact that these people are now in jail and the fact that Limerick has been transformed is in no small way due to uh, Carmel Collins and her family. And um, there were um, plenty of 
tributes paid to her this week, but I suppose the greatest tribute that is paid to her is the transformation of Limerick that has occurred over, over the last few years. That's true, uh, and, and, and as you said, Carmel uh, was laid to rest today, Wednesday, after she... Cancer took... Yeah. In the end, and um, our thoughts are, are, are with the, the Collins and Lee and extended families, and um, another death in the family. We can't, we can't uh, actually quantify it or put anything upon it, but you know, there's some rest. Finally, there is indeed, yeah. And and uh, just um, on on more or less the same subject, um, you know, going back to. <laughs> To, to loss and to the consequences of that loss. Um, there's another another story that, that you have highlighted actually in this week's paper is um, a 48 hours program from um, the CBS network in the US, uh, an award-winning program that this week uh, featured the murder and subsequent fallout from the murder of uh, Jason Corbett in the US uh, in August 2015. Yeah, this is a story that has gripped both sides of the, of the water. Um, Molly Martins and her father, Tom, a retired FBI agent, um, are serving between 20 and 25 years after they were convicted by a jury of the second degree murder of, of Jason, who was bludgeoned to death in his bed. Uh, all of those facts are, remain proven before courts. There is an ap- appeal lodged the judges in North Carolina will make their decision in the coming months but there has been a, a, a smear campaign is all you can say yeah and and that has been going on for for um we'll say even before the case went to court there, there seemed to be a very concentrated effort to undermine um Jason Corbett and um well this was something that was re- resisted and resisted very successfully by his sister uh Tracy Corbett Lynch um who went to great lengths to actually um preserve her brother's reputation and to ensure that the people who murdered him um paid the the just rewards for their for their actions um, so there was there was even some of that still at the um, at the program, which was called um, in Jason's name, which was a sort of an appropriate title. And uh, during that, um, um, Jason's sister Tracy um, just managed to paint a, a, a fairly true picture of uh, who her brother was and uh, what led to his uh, his savage death. Um, and also some of the consequences, let's say, for the broader family and as well for, for Jason's uh, two children who are now um, in Limerick under the care of, of, uh, of Tracy. Um, full details on those stories and, and more um, in Limerick Post, uh, printed this Thursday uh, on your streets and online at limerickpost.ie. Uh, for the last time, Jerry, um, thanks very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And uh, may I wish you all the best in your new career. <laughs> That's <laughs> lovely, Jerry. Yeah, it's <laughs> the nicest thing you've ever well, said to him. Yeah, <laughs> it actually is. In, in four months of broadcasting. Is, yeah. yeah, okay, now you can go. Thanks. Bye. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, we're here, as I said, in uh, Sexton's on Henry Street, um, sampling some of the fine pizza in their only wood-fired uh, pizza oven in the city and it's um, it's actually very very nice very good it's very good um, a bit of ham and mushroom there and it's, it's going down a tree a bit of ham and mushroom yeah. <laughs> um, yeah next up um, joined by um, news reporter Bernie English um, 
Bernie, you can jump straight in. <laughs> well, hello, Andrew, and you look very fetching, I have to say, in your chef's outfit. Um, thanks. I've absolutely nothing to do with me today. Um, l- literally, I've been given an apron just to put it on. It's all the, all the lols. Oh, well, now if the apron fits, wear it. There you go. Um, Bernie, y- you've got some stories um, this week in the, in the Limerick Post front page lead stories, both talking about hospitals. We're, we're, we're back on the healthcare train. Um, you want to kick off with, with, with this outside intervention that's being called for? Yes, Andrew, we, I, I, back on the healthcare train. I don't think we ever got off it, if we're, tr- if we're truthful. Mm. Um, there are a number of people, uh, Senator Maria Byrne and a cross-section of TDs have decided that health is actually important. So they've written to the minister calling for um, an independent outside facilitator to come in and examine what is going wrong in the hospital and to see what can be done to try and fix it. Um, At the same time, you know, it has to be said that we have a number of... um, An open letter last week from five of the top clinicians saying, basically, the hospital is doing what it can, given the level of attendances, given the level of... uh, density, the population it's serving, that it is actually quite a good hospital. But the the ED cannot, no part of the hospital, the clinicians say, can run properly unless you have enough staff, enough beds, enough step-down facilities. And basically, the the hospital needs money thrown at it, which has success, you know, over successive ministries, it hasn't happened. But, uh, like, I know we're, it's not like we're flogging a dead horse, but... There's been issues of lengthy waiting lists, overcrowding. Yep. We've had the highest numbers of waiting on trolleys. This, the old Mid- Midwestern Region Hospital, University Hospital, Limerick, no matter what the name changed, the problem seems to be continuing on down through the years that either it's not fit for purpose, even there, there's a capacity issue. You know, is this finally somebody coming up with a solution of an outside intervention? Well, I think it would be a very good thing to actually have somebody who has no axe in the fire to come in and look at what's going on there. Because, you know, blame is... In the health service, blame is passed like a parcel in a Belfast pub. Yeah. And there is no one actually wants to stand, step up to the mark and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'll take responsibility for this. And plans are implemented, but they have to go across the board if things are going to improve in the hospital. And maybe this is the right part, this is the right move. Maybe this is the right way to, to get someone to look at it all and say, this is what you need to do and see is that feasible. But is the hospital um, in Limerick a representation of the Department of Health as a whole? Well, I think the hospital in Limerick is, is, is one representation of the Department of Health uh, as a whole. I mean, we read about waiting lists all around the country. And yet some of the hospitals, say in Dublin, which are the busiest hospitals in the country, are, are not performing in the same way and with the same 92 people on, on trolleys mm. one day this month. In Mary Harney's time, it was Angola. It remains that. I think we probably still have that comparison. Um, so eventually, you know, your front page story this week is, is covering that. It, it, it details and documents what has been sought for. In the end, um, Bernie, you've been covering health for a long time. Is this something that's going to happen? Yeah, there's I'd a call surprised. for an intervention. I'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there have been many calls over the years for many things. I mean, we're building a 60-bed modular unit mm. when it was needed four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Um, the hospital was, was promised so many things along the way that have not happened. We'll just watch this space. We're staying with the hospital team. There's a... The off-lead has a petition about St. John's. Yes, yeah. It, it kind of seems like... 
mom's apple pie is great and it seems obvious to most people why aren't you opening given the crisis that we have why are they not restoring king uh, john's and nina and ennis as full-time 24 hours seven day a week ed facilities because it just we don't need an acute hospital everywhere we don't need all ed cases to go to an acute hospital there are a lot of people with breathing difficulties with pains that can be examined and sent off somewhere else we really do not need every single person who feels they are very sick in the entire midwest to end up in Duradoyle. and this petition is an online petition started by a limerick man and sometimes we were talking about somebody outside the situation seeing a bit of sense mm-hmm. It, he's saying this is the reasonable explanation. This is the reasonable. This is a reasonable solution. Open the hospital, the other hospital in the city, full time, um, and it would actually require probably minimal staffing to do that. And on that basis, um, they are going to then present their petition signings to to the HSC. Um, he asked for two thousand signatures. He's already got 1,700. I presume he'll leave the petition up for a little while more, and he's then going to present it to the HSC. I, I admire his courage. I don't know what the HSC will do with it apart from put it on a shelf to gather dust. Unfortunately, under the topic of health, we're saying, again, we have to watch this space. Afraid so. Uh, listen, Bernie, that's great. Thanks very much. And for the last time... Andrew, the very best <laughs> of luck to you, and thank you so much. You've been great. Uh, thanks, Bernie. It's been awesome. having some buzz isn't he with the deck all deck all this is rubber ducky yeah all right whenever you're good yep um so we're still here in sexton's bar on henry street uh, i'm still eating pizza from the awesome wood fired oven <laughs> nobody else seems to be doing it i don't really care because it's awesome um but uh, as we're on a digital platform we're 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 just going to mention again that um, all Limerick Post uh, information is available online uh, through all our social media channels and quite um, opportunely and aptly I'm joined by Megan Scully who has just joined uh, Limerick Post newspaper she's not replacing me because <laughs> that's, that, that's just not possible she's, um, she's overqualified overqualified <laughs> oh, wow she's overqualified uh, thank- fired thanks Keen. <laughs> I don't know does that make me feel better or not but anyway um Megan, um, you're very welcome to our Limerick Post News Roundup. It's finishing. Well, Keen, I think, is going to take over. I'll be taking it over from next week, yeah. Trying to. Trying trying to, you know. I'm gone, so it's Big boots to fill. Big boots to do. (laughs) A bit of crack, though. Um, Yeah, Megan, so um, literally this week you joined us, Mm -hmm. um, and the first thing that happened, uh, you came out to the vigil that was for um, the murdered journalist in Derry. Yeah, for Lyra McKee, she was obviously shot in Derry um, on Holy Thursday and her funeral took place in Belfast today and um, Norma Prendeville organised a get-together of all the journalists in Limerick um, to meet outside the White House bar and uh, a vigil was held. We all had posters and I think what the great thing about it was to see all the journalists around Limerick getting together for for Lyra and to remember her and I suppose to, to kind of mark the occasion and let, you know, let everyone see that we were all unified in something that has been so tragic. Yeah, it was just standing in solidarity and it's when you kind of, and especially in Limerick, um, I found, you know, through the years that Limerick is a, is a quite a unique um, stomping ground for journalists and for news and for media and everybody kind of sticks together. It is a bit of a, it is a bit of a community, but it was actually great to see that solidarity for somebody across the border in in the north, it didn't matter where. They could have been down south. It doesn't matter. This is the point. Um, 
reporting, good journalism, and being able to tell a story properly. It's it's it, it, it was one of Lyra's um, foundation bedrock, is from what I can understand. Um, but it was great to see that Limerick, amongst a lot of places, were were standing in solidarity. Yeah, I think it was it was uh, even just on social media. So you could see we could see journalists from all over the world. Um, I saw that a journalist over in um, was it in Oman said that uh, she was a British journalist. She said that uh, she was going to have a kind of vigil as well there. So I think it, it's not just affect people in Ireland and Northern Ireland. It's it's the world now that is getting up and 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 I suppose standing in solidarity for what happened to Lyra. Sticking on the whole journalism train, and you know you're joining the Limerick Post. You're coming in on the. Um, you, you, you're going to have a new show and you're going to have um, a few bits and pieces that I am yeah I am going to be um, working mainly on the digital side of things and yeah we'll have a new show coming up that I, we're very excited about Keen and I will be uh, we work very hard on it and, he's uh, an awesome producer yeah no I can't wait for it all now I think once we get um, until get you're leaving into it. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we're really excited it's going to be something totally different um, it hasn't been done yet in Limerick as far as we can see um, so I think it's going to be something a little bit different to offer, offer people on digital platform as well Okay, great. And listen, best of luck with it. Thank you. Best of luck to you. Oh, thanks. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, Megan. Hey, thanks, Megan. Um, we are Limerick, Andrew. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you are. I'm telling you, Kean, we are Limerick, right? Um, your awesome podcast series. Um, Have you listened to any yet? Um, no. <laughs> of course. Um, your your podcast series basically where you where you you, you pick up an interview and yeah. a, and talk to the people of Limerick who are influential around town you know their name you know their face who do you have this week well this week i have sheila deegan she's the culture and arts officer for limerick city and county council and uh, i suppose with this one i wanted to show that there's people working behind the scenes that are doing a lot for limerick but probably don't get the spotlight as much as others you know and sheila seems to be one of those people and she told me about when she first took up the role and she didn't really know what she was getting into and she was fairly honest about it but um, Sheila had this to say to me but yeah when I go back to those early 90s and go wow what was the job of an arts officer and what is it now I could never have imagined that I would have had the opportunities that I've had really you know like City of Culture and the bid have been just an enormous rewarding um, piece of work for me and that podcast will be up online this weekend available on iTunes Spotify SoundCloud and Acast and it'll also be on LimerickPost.ie uh, Excellent Keen. it's probably it's one of the series I'm going to stay listening to yeah, nice <laughs> um, because even though I've been around meeting all these people and you, you know you meet them in the professional environment yeah. like when you actually get to sit down and a bit of an interview a bit of a chat you kind of get to the next part well that, that was the background to me because I've been going to these events for the last few years and you, you will meet people, shake hands, say hello, yeah. how's everything going, but you don't really know the person. Yeah, and if you can get a, a five-minute sit-down, any chance you'll sit down with me for 20 minutes, exactly. then you kind of get, you're yeah. able to open stuff up. Layers open up. Layers <laughs> open up. Yeah, speaking of layers, Jerry Collison is up robbing the pizza. I which is nice. Is gone, yeah, yeah I mean, it's running out <laughs> quick. <laughs> um, Kian, that's great. There was also the TLC at the weekend. Yeah, brilliant event on Good Friday. Uh, the sun was splitting the rocks and yeah. it was the biggest crowd ever as well I think it was 21,000 people took part almost 21,000 people took part and you can see the difference it makes in the city uh, with the amount of rubbish they collect it shows you how much it's needed but uh, Paul O'Connell was saying he hopes that it's future proofing as well because he hopes people will take pride in the city and probably think about twice when they're about to litter you know and Speaking of litter just as you say it um, Bernie has a story this week about Smokers' litter is one of the biggest problems in Limerick streets. I mean, 
fag butts and stuff. Fag, and, yeah, uh, but y- y- you could see some of the pictures on social media from the cleanup. Yeah. Bags of stuff. Bags and bags. But uh, that's one thing that they highlighted. And Paul actually had this to say to us about the clean-up itself and the, the amount of pride that they take in it. Kind of a twofold benefit. The city gets one big clean-up done in one day, but also you probably get a bit of preventative work done because people, you know, realise the, the value of not littering and uh, and getting kids involved as well is, is the main thing. We've over 8,000 school kids involved this year. And then JP McManus also spoke to us and he had this to say. The reaction to the crowd throughout the whole city and county, we have almost 21,000 people registered which is phenomenal considering the amount of people that are in the city and county and a lot of people have to work today. But even to see the number of people that were out during the week doing their bits, clearing up the place. And, uh, you know, I'm very proud of Limerick. I'm very proud of the people and how they've embraced this uh, event. There's an awful lot of people take pride in Limerick. You know, you know whether it's our rugby team or our hurling team now, uh, more particularly the, there's a great buzz around Liverpool, you know, it's great excitement and uh, these are happy times. Again, the noise, the hustle and bustle of Vinus, we're, we're in a bar, we're having pizza. Um, Sextons. Sextons yeah. on Henry Street with Lovely their um, awesome wood-fired pizza. And there's uh, a nice pizza garden out the back as well, covered for those uh, rainy days, you know. Mm, small bit rainy anyway, but look, we, you know, it's, um, yeah, so we are on site, it's, uh, it's a little bit more um, boisterous. Um, today um, than usual slightly uh, slightly John Keo is in the house now which is actually going to make it all the way worse <laughs> Thank, um, thanks for that Andrew yeah, yeah the, the eminent journalist from Sporting Limerick um, <laughs> you see him he's shaking his head he's annoyed not in the slightest bit annoyed you can plumaz me all you want I'm happy yeah to. because it's your last, last podcast you can yeah. say what you want I'll just take it thanks John fair pleasure um, listen all the sports news that you have um, this week another four pages jam-packed um you know, I might be leaving. Munster are joining me. They left Europe. Yeah, their own version of Brexit there on Saturday. Yeah, they were just very much the... Saracens were the better team from minute one. Anyone that watched the game can only think the same, you know. It was um, sobering viewing for any Munster fan that was either watching it or at the game, you know. It was... It, it, yeah, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't make for everything. It just looked like every single wave of attack and defence from Saracens, there was a foot forward. Yeah, they the seemed to have another bit more. Very similar game plans, if you actually look at it, but Saracens are so much, at the moment, so much more advanced. That they're, everyone knows their, their role within the team, within the system. You, you, you can bring on the likes of Skelton and Schalkberger yep. to established internationals, but they're just so... They, they didn't stop. From the first 20 minutes, you saw the f- pressure. Munster did brilliantly to be in 12-9 down at the break, realistically. Johan van Graan said in, in press conference Monday, Monday morning that um, 13 minutes after halftime, the game was over. You know, they just took, uh, took it to a new level, a couple of tries, penalties. Look, we've no interest in the European Cup anymore. Saracens-Leinster, just giving me a word on that. Yeah, it's got, it should be a cracker. You know, they are the two best teams in Europe. Look, I, I kind of said this last week as well, that's top three teams in Europe over the last three years in Munster Saracens and Leinster Saracens and Leinster are a massive step ahead at the moment you know so for final wise it's, it's a 50-50 call if both teams play well you'd probably just think Leinster could could do it they're just they're on a different level as well at the moment when they play well just quickly as well from that press co- conference as well um, 
you know, when Graham was asked about the possibility of a new coach coming in, he said possibly, so it's something we need to keep an eye on. Now, he's still very intent on keeping on the current coaches, which is Jerry Flannery and Felix Jones, sorting out their contracts, but keep an eye out for further updates on that. You know, their, their attention focuses now on retaining the Pro 14, their position, they want to, you know, get into the knockout stages. All of that is advancing. They've connected the weekend. Just as you mentioned about the coaching ticket, it's probably very important that they keep that stability. Yeah, the, the, like they've brought in JP Ferrara when Johan van Grand came in as defence coach. They brought in a strength and conditioning guy, Dennis Logan from the NFL, NFL last summer. Them things are vitally important. But just going back to the Connacht game, look, Munster need a result from Edinburgh beating Glasgow, um, as well as them getting a win over Connacht as well. Of course, bonus point win if 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 possible, but. Likelihood is it's, it's going to be a home quarter final against um, Ulster Treviso. Um, semi and then it's in a way semi final against Leinster. And look, that's going to be a tricky tie up in Dublin anyway. So keep an eye on it. Like, uh, maybe a fresh new blood coaching wise, that's what Johan Vigram well, said. Things evolve. You need, always need fresh ideas. But it's okay to have that injection of freshness as long as you keep the core. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You see, with a lot of Munster players, Munster's big players, and again, Van Grand said this on Monday that they've kept on all the players they've wanted to keep they're all signed up for another few years not like another con- year contract here and there like yeah. some Murray O'Mahony Earls Joey Carberry signed up af- again for another two years after one season yeah. you know they're obviously the players are very very happy at Johan Van Gran and what he's trying to do it's just last Saturday they come up against a team that are further down the line that are very very well established in Europe although Munster have lost now what seven semi-finals in their own Europe it's, it's, it's a tough stat to take as any Munster fan will, it's, it's a hard one to swallow, but reality is that's where they are. It's just that European glory is stretching away further and further. You just want to make sure that they can close that gap and not let it engulf to something else. Yeah, look, it's, it's 2008 since that victory over Toulouse in Cardiff. Um, they haven't been to another final since the first semi-final defeat. And then there's a run of seven was the year after. Very famous loss to Leinster in Croke Park. Look, mm. It's a worrying stat. There's no point saying it isn't because... Another worrying stat that O'Gara mentioned during the week on Monday or whatever day he mentioned it, um, there were 16,000 people in, in, in watching that semi-final. A large percentage of them were from Monster. Monster. Yeah, it's... It's a worrying... Big time it is, yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think the Aviva was sold out by any stretch of the imagination either for Leinster's game against Toulouse. Absolutely, it's a worrying, worrying development looking at, I think it's only 35,000 in Coventry, around that anyway, in the Rico Arena capacity, but it was by nowhere near full, so yeah. I mean, you're looking at, it's a problem that the, the European EPC, ECPR, whatever, EPCR, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, have, to, have to look at, and I think in press release today, that it's something they are looking at, whether it's smaller venues or not, but they definitely... But like... Some of the Saracens fans cited that there wasn't a train connecting. I mean, you know, there, there was, was hassle getting to Coventry, but there then, then you beg the question: Is why was the game on in Coventry? I know it's Wasps' own venue. I mean, Saracens are in the outskirts; their base is in Oxford. You know, <laughs> surely they're somewhere closer to London, somewhere to their base. Yeah, but I mean, there was planes, trains, and automobile meals used by Munster fans. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. I just seen. Look, Saracens aren't a hugely supported club either. Munster's travelling fans are always. Going to outnumber teams, the same in Edinburgh, and 45,000 or 55, 
thousand seater stadium in Murrayfield they outweighed the Edinburgh fans there as well so I mean it's a uh, it is a worrying development. No, no point saying anything else, though. Look, we'll, we're, we're coming to the business end of the season. Yeah. We'll see what goes on. A lot of this stuff will be sorted out during the summer. We'll You'd hope so. It's something that we'll come back to. Look, it's my We'll last come back to it. You won't. Uh, okay, fine. It's my last podcast, but it's the first time cricket's going to get a mention. Yeah, Limerick Cricket Club started their campaign at the week. It bank holiday Monday against County Kerry. It was a fairly comfortable victory. They picked up maximum points. Yeah, we're... We're trying to bring as many sports into things as possible, and sport and Limerick cricket's one of them. It's a new we did a sp- yes. it, it is and it isn't. We went out and did a um, Sporting Limerick Challenge with them last year. It was very successful, got great footage. Um, our sports editor, Raf Rocket, got a belt across the shins with a, oh. with a cricket ball. That's the rest of us right? laughed at that. That did hurt. Yeah. I know it didn't. Right, hit the camera as well. So, you know, it was... Um, yeah, good, good opening day victory for them, and we're going to hi- try and highlight their progress as much as possible. There was a minute silence between both teams as well for the Sri Lanka bombings. Cricket, right. a huge sport in Sri Lanka, and a few of the lads Sri Lankan player born as well. So, something we'll keep an eye on. You will. I, w- I will, and anyway. <laughs> whoever else comes in after you will too. Kane, 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 taking over. Kane's news, breaking news here. In breaking the news right here in the, the in, the, in the in the in the Limerick Post News Roundup podcast. There you go. Um, John, we'll head over to GA. Um, there's a couple of different things that are you, you've got going on. There's this two-tier championship. Suggestions, yeah, that the, are now more. Paran yeah. writing in this, his column this week that um, about two tiered inter county championships. When a team goes out of their provincial championship, that another championship is set up so they can keep playing throughout the year. Look, reality is that it's it's the way forward for lower ranked teams. You know, they, um, you take Limerick as, as an example. The two games in championship last year, they lost the Clare in the Gaelic rounds and they faced Mayo. They were never going to win that Mayo game. As Billy Lee has said many times throughout their National League campaign, we're playing the teams that are on our level in Division 4. Something has to happen. The amount of time and effort these players are putting in for two games in a championship year just isn't right. Elsewhere, with the second round of the Limericks, the Bon Secures Hospital Limerick Senior Hurling Championship at the weekend, Patrick's well the only team on maximum points. They've beaten last year's county champions, yeah. the one of the glory teams of the last 10 years in Limerick Hurling. They also beat Doom the weekend before, so they've they've taken out both uh, county finalists from 2018. We mentioned it last week that Kieran Carey is back at the helm of Patrick's Well. You see the Carey effect again, not the Andrew Carey effect I have to add. Hey, we're the all Kieran. related, right? <laughs> yeah. But Kieran, look, he's made a huge impact. It's similar enough players, a few rejigs, a few couple of players brought in for their junior team. Just very impressive. Shane Downing got a goal in the last um, in added time from the Pearshig that ma- made it a five-point def- defeat for them. Patterns, well, were dominant. You know, in the other games, Kilmalik and Dune uh, had a draw. F- was it 17 points to 114? Mm. Late point by former Limerick star Paddy O'Brien got that back for Kilmalik. Dune put in a massive performance after losing to Patrick's well. Missing four of their starters, two, su- two suspended. Richie English was sent off against Patrick Swell. He missed it. A couple of injuries with another Limerick player, Mikey O'Brien. Great game. Fairly controversial end to it. Last mi- the last point came six over six minutes into at a time. The equalising point. Um, to say Dune were unhappy about the circumstances, <laughs> to be putting it mildly. But, you know, it was a um, cracking game and both teams still in still in the championship. Kilmalik won their first game against Adair. Speaking of Adair, they had a very comfortable win over South Liberties. Yeah. South Liberties are already cut adrift at the bottom of Group 1, which is the effectively Senior A in Senior B. Um, Ahan had a 
Uh, win over Bally Brown, big win for a hand in that game. Uh, County star Tom Morrissey, very impressive in that. There was also draws between Maru Boher and Nakani and Gerspelan and Monlin. John, you're going to pop over and talk about soccer? Yeah, big. every weekend is a big weekend for Limerick FC. They um, had a fairly disappointing performance against Shelburne last weekend. Uh, 2 0 defeat. Adrian Finnan's writing this week. He was up at the game. Um, could have been a lot worse than 2 0. Just Shells are a very strong team. They have a Premier League squad playing in the first division. Limerick are away to Langford, so another tough game away this weekend. But. All not fairly positive. There are stories again off the field, though, that aren't as positive with players. Rumoured not to have been paid again. Yep. Just more of the same from last season, which is, a, which is a worrying development, obviously. Coming back down to one more level to local soccer. Yeah, you've junior soccer. The big story, really, is the FAI Junior Cup. Um, debacle is the only one way to describe it. Yeah. Um, Michael Hearn, the Ashing Anacati manager, who, of course, commentates for 95FM as well as their soccer correspondent. He's highlighted this week the farcical situation that his team are left in. Regional and another team for Limerick were kicked out of the competition. The team they beat, Sheriff YC from Dublin, were reinstated. They're playing down to play Ashling Anacati this weekend. Micah Hearns, Ashling Anacati are left in limbo because Regional have brought this to arbitration. The decision's going to be made Thursday night. How is Micah Hearns, Ashling Anacati going to prepare for... A home, a game in Limerick on Sunday against Regional or up to Dublin. Two different teams. How are you supposed to prepare? And those concerns have been aired in a letter. There's been yeah, a an lot open, of yeah, an open letter sent to the FAI by Michael Hearn. I read through the letter. He's bang on everything he said. But like, does this matter? I mean, does an open letter really matter? Clearly not. I mean, I, I think Mike was trying to get his just his frustrations aired, and that's you know that's that. Like, but it's um, it's just it's just another. And the FAI, FAI's part. And Elsewhere, yeah. very quickly, Munster Junior Cup action. Pike are playing Newmarket Celtic. Crack game. They're going for three Munster Junior Cups in a row. And Jarlines have a home game in the Markets Field against. Who? I don't know. You're going to tell me. You tell me. Who are they playing? <laughs> it's an oh, you're, oh, the you're, the you're the sports oh, guy. You're the sports guy. I know who they're playing. They're playing St. Michael's from Tipperary. There you go. I was checking on your knowledge of it. No, St. Michael's having a cracking season as well in Tip. A few ex-Limerick lads playing for them, local Limerick players. Um, for four it's months. Getting, it's getting emotional. Though. Yeah, no, for four it's months. No, no, this isn't, this isn't emotional. For four months, you've attacked me, berated me. You have... You've, 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 you've said things about the rugby club that I'm associated with. So I'm going to let you have the last word on the last podcast, <laughs> last podcast. Uh, that I'm involved in on sport, on rugby and on Gary Owen. But first of all, I just want to say to any Gary <laughs> Owen fans listening... You actually couldn't just no, couldn't, let it go. I couldn't let it go. No. No. I've no issue with Gary Owen, so I need to rise Andrew. And it, works, <laughs> it works every week. I've absolutely no allegiances. But on a positive note for Gary Owen... FC. Small little round of applause. Small, small <laughs> little round of applause. Yeah, a massive win the Bateman Cup. Um, their second ever, Andrew, is it? No, there you go. There you are. Their second ever Bateman Cup. Huge win over... Um, City of Armagh. City of Armagh. Last Saturday. You know, just very impressive performance. Um, I watched the game, unlike other people sitting at this desk. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Oh, did I get that last thing in? I did. <laughs> yeah. Like no, honestly, honest so we, we, we'll skirt past that. No, very impressive performance. Gary Owen finishing fifth in the AIL, have to be commended the highest. Finishing, I know it's a disappointing one for end of season playoffs, but Bateman Cup, it's a little bit of a um, 
little bit of a happy ending to the season. Um, you know, Neil Cronin tagged out very impressive on what could be his last Gary Garyon game. Who knows what's going to happen next year with him and Munster. He's another two-year contract. Um, ben Healy, very impressive as well. Again, I think he's caught, kicked seven out of seven kicks. And when you think about it, we spoke about this before, these mm-hmm. under-20s, these, these underage players that are coming through, not just from Gary Owen, like, but they're coming across from... You'd eight monster players in the Grand Slam winning team, the under-20s. It's, even though, you know, Munster are not out of Europe, mm-hmm. you know, at the top level, coming up, there's a lot of good stuff. A happening. lot of positivity around Munster at the moment, and hopefully, hopefully next season, there'll be some silverware in the AIL. We will finish on that positive note. John Kyo, as always, uh, from Sporting Limerick. Um, even in the, time in, your po- in the time when you were in the post and then you went over to Sporting Limerick, um, it's always been a pleasure. We've had great banter um, and it's probably what makes the sports bit really good. Uh, I'd like to thank you, John, ser- seriously for uh, all your effort and, 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 and the way you, you bring the information and knowledge and, and present on this um, podcast since the start in, in January. Um, as always, our sports uh, coverage is brought to you in association and conjunction with Sporting Limerick, um, where more news, uh, sports news can be found beyond the paper on uh, LimerickPost.ie. Um, John, thanks very much. More than welcome, Andrew. Okay. We're up. Okay. Um, Are we on? Yeah, we're on. Um, yeah, and thanks, Megan. Yeah, we're here in, in, in Sexton's Bar on Henry Street. Um, we're enjoying the pizza from their, the only wood-fired uh, pizza oven in Limerick, which is um, it's awesome. I've now gone on to, I don't know, was it a pineapple one? Did you do that? We just had the pineapple there, and we had just had the tuna with some nice rocket on it. Yeah, it's very tasty, actually. Okay, How's the beer going down? That seems to be... Yeah, well, you know. I want to clear away a few of those glasses before we continue, <laughs> would you? Clink, clink. Um, as you can hear, I'm joined by... Um, I, I, yeah, look. Are you excited? <laughs> this is your last day. It's the exuberant. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Eric Fitzgerald, our entertainment editor. Eric, you're back with us again. There's a bit more tomfoolery. It's the last one. It's the very last one, you know. And, um, um, you might, you we're, might so, we're sorry to see you go. You know? No, you're not. You're a, bright, you're a bright spark in the office, I have to say. Because every time I, 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 I missed two and you slagged me for joining a panto in April. And how's that going now? It's great. I've you are finally my, yeah. leaving and joining the circus and joining the panto. Do you, you want to tell us all about it at, at this stage? Make the big revealer? Um, okay, I'm going out to UL and that's it. And we won't say any more about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and well deserved. Um, and the very best of luck with th- it. You know? thank, thank, thank we you both started, we started within a few months of each other, you know. This so is you've true. been a, a bright spark around the office, you know. And, uh, Thanks. Appreciated your, your, your tall tale from the, the Volvo Ocean Race and the this <laughs> sounds like your yeah. DIY tips. <laughs> oh, there you your go. racing tips were rubbish, but apart from that, we will miss you dearly. Uh, thank you, Eric. So now we can get on with now this. We can can get we get on, on with that? That's yeah, it. Okay, no, no tears. Um, we're in a bar, we're having pizza. I'm having a beer. Nobody. Else yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. um, but look, it's you know, it's the last one. Look, um, entertainment news. If you look on the page this week um, and on LimerickPost.ie later on, it's cranberries. It's cranberries and all cranberries. Yeah, because we've kind of hit the end of an era, you know. So the uh, the album is coming out on Friday, and uh, we were chatting uh, with Fergal Lawler from the band, and um, we had a great chat, you know. And uh, like the boys are, they're on that world tour now, and they're promoting the album. But they're they're very upbeat, and uh, you know, I've had a listen to the album, and the record, it's it, it's it's uplifting, and I probably tails off 
what is, I suppose, a sad story, obviously, but the fact that they did have some music that was on, uh, it was on hard drives, basically, and they were just numbered 1 to 20, and then they just had to pull it all together. They, put the, they listened to the lyrics, they made up the titles from the lyrics, and we are, uh, we've ended up with an 11-track album. And um, you know, it's, it's a very positive thing that they have that, you know, especially for the fans. And uh, I think maybe, uh, I suppose if you get a listen to it yourself, you'll, you'll hear that a lot of the music is a throwback to their very first album that came out. And um, I think it's probably right down to, I suppose, uh, Dolores' voice on these demos. Uh, she was yeah, singing like in a quite soft voice, and I know we talked about it before we a few months about ago. It before that this was this like this. It wasn't. It was. It was all pre-edit stuff. It was yeah. all. This wasn't studio quality, and no, I used the inverted no. commas uh, yeah. for that. Well, as we were saying back then, you know, there are demos and bands make demos all the time, but then there's Dolores Reardon demo, you know, and like she will actually, you know, give you a vocal performance every time. And they had they had um, they had loads to work with, you know, and they were really. I think they were really happy with what they had, and I think bringing Stephen Street on producing just wrapped it up. Fifth member of the band, um, so chatting away with Fergal, I think maybe you're know, putting the tracks together. I mean, it wasn't easy sitting down recording them, but I mean, I think they're very very happy with the results. Um, some amazing tracks there, you know. There's a track called. Um, Obviously, All Over Now came out as the first single, and it was quite upbeat. Uh, they left the final track that they did, which is called In The End, they left that to the very end, because, let's say, that one, like with, with lyrics like um, Ain't It Strange, when everything you wanted was nothing much you wanted, in the end, it's quite circumstant, and it's, um, she's philosophical about, you know, and, and, and wise after all these years. Um, but as, as Fergal was saying, a, a lot of these songs, while they might be misinterpreted, uh, from the lyrics and from the titles sometimes even. Uh, a lot of it was to do with there was a phase of her life that wasn't that, that easy for her. She'd been through a lot and she was ready to start again particularly with the, when, the, when they did the um, album with the ICO where they did all the cover versions and they were really buzzing to make another record after that. So it, it, it was a fresh beginning like, and that was what was the heart of a lot of these lyrics in this album. Like the album is only just out. It's been widely received. It, like I'm not going to say it's part of their greatest work, but it's probably it's going to be something that's right up there. It could right be up right there. up there. I mean, it, it'll probably stand out of, uh, as, as, I suppose, in a category of its own because of the circumstances. Yeah. But it stands up as good as anything else they have produced as well at the same time. And we have a night uh, happening in Limerick, and it's happening in Dolan's on Thursday. And it's being run by uh, Steamboat Records. So they have an open invitation for Cranberries fans to pre-order the album in Steamboat and they will be attending a panel discussion and it'll be the first listen to the record anywhere in the world on Thursday night. And uh, I think um, Dr. Owen Devro and Decky Hogan, who was the stage manager for the band, they will be there and they will be having a discussion on the history of Dolores and, and the history of the making of this particular album as well. Um, and attending it actually will be a lot of fans from all over the world. Uh, particularly the Cranberries World website. There's a few representatives from that coming along uh, on, on Thursday as well. Uh, and I had some interesting chats. I know it's, it's on page 83 this week. It's, it, it, I could have written three pages on this because they, came, they, they went into real depth on how they feel about the band and how they're feeling about this record coming out. Yeah. All, a varying wide range of opinions. You know, the, Some of them are celebratory. They're running, uh, they're, they're running a uh, the, what is Cranberries Italia. Uh, they in Rome in Italy. Uh, they have a memorabilia exhibition and that's happening right now for the next few days. 
and um, let's say the crew from Cran- Cranberries World are coming over and they are really looking forward to just getting together and celebrating the, the legacy of the Cranberries. They may, some of them have even mentioned they may not want to even listen to the record just yet because they're still maybe processing what's happened, but these are people who t- took very much the Cranberries and the Lord's to their heart over the years, you know. So it's, it's been, look, it is, it is basically uh, the end of an era, um, but I, I think per- perhaps over this next week, people will hopefully be celebrating it and celebrating a good job well done by the boys and finishing the album off and uh, you've you've a page and a half of of, of all that coverage you've um, you've gone into you've gone into it in depth and and I think you've given it a fair a fair signature exactly exactly you know and uh, yeah it's, it's a big deal for Limerick because I've stared the biggest thing to ever come out of Limerick in, in, in the music world you know without so. doubt but uh, and, um, uh, but that's not the only thing. There's a few things it, on yeah, around. You've got town some listings. Well. Go on, tell us what. So there's got. a few things before we let it all go. Um, uh, my old pal uh, Shonya, um, who is uh, a son of Dave Keary. Dave Keary being the legend from Tuesday Blue, and now the guitarist with Van Morrison. Uh, Alan, his uh, son, is bringing uh, himself. He's leaving Manchester to come over to us for the weekend, and he's bringing a band with him called Henge. And I've been listening to a little bit of what they are doing, and. Uh, they are some kind of they're kind of a trippy space rock outfit all dressed up like something out of uh, Star Trek in the 60s I think they'll be well worth watching I think they're they're coming right into town on Friday 26th exactly and um, although it's more the, the, the metal that I'm kind of interested in now as you know well, uh, the, the very little metal this this uh, this week I'm afraid because of the, um, the siege of Limerick last week which was a huge success with about 60 different bands I, I didn't see you there I was looking to see if, if you were I there I didn't see you there either <laughs> <laughs> see yeah well look at I, I mean are we do can we actually have that motley crew and poison albums that you have on your desk all this time could, could you absolutely no problem would you man. donate it to the lads and, and the new and the new people coming into the, the Limerick pe- post all they're ready for you that rock and roll that kept you going all these years at your desk kept me sane exactly um yeah anything else eric no um, well there's obviously the legend that is christy moore he's playing in uch and um talos is a blogger's favorite uh, he's in dolan's on saturday and uh, the legendary film goodfellas is being uh, screened on monday out in uch as well and there's loads of other stuff there and page 79 you can delve in and see what you want to do and it'll all be online uh and in print this thursday uh, online in limerickpost.ie um and as usual, Eric, it has been a blast. It's been fun. <laughs> it's it's the, been fun. It's the last one. So I will tell you, go for it and conquer a beer and a slice of pizza. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. And the best wishes on your next adventure. Thanks very much. We'll see you out there somewhere. Yeah, sure. There you go. Um, and just a reminder that we're here in uh, Sexton's Bar on Henry Street, um, where they're celebrating the new refurbishment and definitely the best and only wood-fired pizza in Limerick. Um, so we quickly move over to the art section where I'm joined by editor Rose Rush. First off, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Andrew. What a lovely coincidence this is with your very final podcast with us. Joyful occasion here in Willie Sexton's where we've been treated so well by Kellyanne and family. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, so, Rose, you're going to talk to us about some um, cabaret. I am, and the interesting thing about our page this week is that we're in the brow of the season. There is so much happening. Everything in the arts page is unfolding tonight, tomorrow, the next night. This is all uber urgent stuff. It's all imminent, okay? Cabaret. This is Dan's Cabaret. It's an artist by the name of Liz Agis. 
She's in her 60s and throughout my interview with her, Liz, time and time and time again, returned to her age, that she's of a certain milestone to the point she now has a bus pass. I think she's in a little bit of shock. But age is pertinent to this show, Slap and Tickle. It's dance theatre, she says it's vaudeville, it's cabaret, it's also slammingly mouthy, funny, of the moment and issues concerning gender, identity, fun. Despite, Liz, forgive me in this, there is a notably masculine look to her appearance, which she does play up. There is a lot of play with gender fluidity in her show. Um, but she is the most gorgeously spoken woman to speak to. Really charming, intense, uber kind, careful. She's got a hell of a history behind her. 45 years in the industry and began as a stand-up cabaret act fronting punk rock. She's in Dance Theatre Limerick. If I can read the date without my reading glasses, this Thursday, the 25th, 8pm, book on dancelimerick.ie. It should be one hell of a blast. Uh, quickly over to theatre now I see through time's filter yeah and again it's an immediate date it's this Friday the 26th and this is in Bell Table it's a show written by one of the actresses in it who's also a producer as well it's called Now I See You and the I See You part sorry it's called I See You uh, my own headline is Now I See You through time's filter I See You refers to the passage of time through a century. We have two Marys in this, Mm. a Lady Mary Heath, who was an Irish woman living in the early 19th century, who broke all sorts of records in the Olympics, in high jumps, long jumps. She was the first commercial pilot, transatlantic. Uh, She married several times. Uh, She was an extraordinary woman of ability and achievement. She was also made a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society of Britain, which for a little Irish girl from Dublin who was an orphan, she had an extraordinary life. So that's Lady Mary Heath. She's largely forgotten, other than we now have this theatre show to filter uh, how a woman of such extraordinary breadth of ability and accomplishment that was acknowledged uh, in her day in the UK and internationally um, she becomes sort of a ghost in the attic figure. Uh, the writer Amy DeVroon plays her in the play, and she also, Amy says, she's set in the attic because it's as if Lady Mary's heritage is now set in stone. It's invisible within our walls. What has happened to it? So she's revived it through um, the platform uh, herstory.ie, which mm-hmm. records women of record who should be world known and they're celebrating all the rest, but they're not, they're forgotten. She revived us with that platform. It's now the show I See You. And the, the theatrical device is Lady Mary Heath. Uh, by way of encouraging messages and poetry and, you know, performance poetry, sends encouraging vibes and direction to a modern-day Mary set in today's world who is in a relationship that has gone horribly wrong for her. She became pregnant. She's trapped in a very controlling situation with an older man. She has become passive and too humble and too contained within this. She doesn't know how to gain traction and move her life forward. So I don't know what the, um, I don't know how this advances within the show. I, I, we can't give away the ending other than this is in Bell Table. It's on this Friday the 25th. It's called I See You and it stars Amy DeVroon as Lady Mary Heath and Roxanne Nicliam as the modern day Mary. 
It's going to be an interesting conversation between the two women. Yeah, and, and as you say, it kind of documents all of the these women who should be remembered in history for their achievements and for what everything. She did, what Lady Mary Heath did was just astonishing. Mm. Her, her zoological achievements and, you know, and as a record, you know, earned her this fellowship. Uh, she had to fight to be awarded her commercial pilot's aviation license and fly as a woman. Um, she's also climbed Everest and, you know, uh, was placed in the Olympics. She, she was on the British team. So really an extraordinary all-rounder. And interestingly, never lost her hunger for men. There were a couple of husbands and in her 70s, <laughs> isn't it gorgeous? Isn't she wonderful? She's finally, a force. Finally settles down happily with her far younger Jamaican vigorous lover. There, ladies. <laughs> we can't say Gotta much more than that. Gotta love her. Okay. Okay, we'll go to um, a, a, a different medium. And um, oh, sp- speaking of live shows, Rose was at Bread Not Profits last weekend. Oh yeah. There's a nice oh review gosh. up online, isn't there, Rose? Thank you. Thank you, Kian. Yeah, yeah, I hope and I pray there'll be a cancellation because I know you've done video link work and photography work for the show as well. And it's, it's it, folks, this will tell you, when press who have worked hard for such a once in a lifetime show uh, can't get a ticket, it'll tell you how hot the ticket is. Uh, interestingly, I had a chat with Ella Daly on site on Cleves at night. Um, even though they can fit about maybe 120 and have been increasing that by percentages slowly every night to accommodate this hunger for it, Ella tells me that box office only covers 10% of the cost. Layer on that this one-off, this once-off grant from Arts Council for 120,000 and you realise what it costs to stage. Ella put it to me, Rose, we have 50 people working here on site in Cleves every single night. But I'm to sure you could even along. see the job they did on Cleves get it up to a certain standard yeah 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 that, that from four raw walls sorry four rooms with only raw walls no central heating no lighting rig no storage no green room no proscenium stage all of that had to be affected mm-hmm. and very beautifully and of the period there are a number of you know emma fisher is on costume john galvin is audio and visual design paul mead of gunanua he's artistic director uh terry o'donovan dante Jai, he's the site pacific expert in this realm of theatre he leads it all and of course Mike Finn is author it's it's a stunning show in a lot of ways it is really very moving and there's a big lyrical component as well it's also Mike is such a passionate member of the Limerick Soviet Committee he really wants this period in our lives spelled out clearly to people he takes the channel of personal storylines to do it in, and so tracks of history are exchanged to us, let's say in rows between a husband and wife, or what lovers cannot do together and advance together. One plans to go um, to America, the other has other plans of her own. So um, through various, you know, means of tension and storytelling, and then the songwriting by David Blake, uh, we, we, we get a great deal. It, it hits you various ways. Brilliant. Guys, that was great because I, I just went and got a slice of pizza and had a little <laughs> sip of beer. That, yeah. Just while I was listening to 2E <laughs> and it was actually great because you can see that it's not just, you know, the audience that are intrigued by this. You know, we're journalists, we're involved in, in this industry, so you're, you're kind of a, a little bit more used to expecting a certain degree of a calibre of work. But 
you know, just Boti sounded like as if you were, you know, really into it and it, and it was a worthy production. Yeah. Um, I think the quality of the team helps it, Rose, like the people you mentioned. These are all top-notch, yeah. multi-award winning professionals yeah. from Emma to Paul Mead it's to It's like Mike bringing himself. the Avengers together to make a... Absolutely. <laughs> let's see. Team of superheroes. And Keen, as well as you being a writer and an analyst, you're a techie expert, whereas my absolute passion is theatre from my time in University College Galway to working in London, choosing a job in the city. That was WC1A was the address. So I was within a walk of Shaftesbury Avenue and the National Theatre. So I could walk to shows every night after work and get in on a half price ticket. So, um, from you know, but from the consumer end, we're both intrigued by that yeah. end, but also from the nuts and bolts of how it is put together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. really lovely stuff. Now, and again, the uh, audience, reader, um, listener out there, I don't want to give it away, but the, the timing from daylight into dusk in this is, it's also key to some components, that's all I'm telling you. Rose, we're going to wrap up um, the picture house, the story yeah, of Limerick Cinemas. Yeah, another interview with Simon Maguire. He's a great old head out in, um, he's working out in LIT Moilish. He co-founded with others the, it's a, it's a degree that teaches filmmaking, documentary, AV, um, Simon's worked on a great, great deal of stuff and he was very, very giving as an unpaid volunteer throughout City of Culture as a mentor, very giving. He's story editor um, to The Picture House. This is screening tomorrow night, Thursday 25th, 7.30 p.m. in LIT. And it's a film, a documentary by David Burns, who worked with Simon on the Kemi documentary as well. So look forward to good standards. It's the story of Limerick Cinemas, um, the Tivoli, the Savoy, the Lyric, interviews with staff, interviews with audience members, uh, posters, memorabilia. It's just going to be the most wonderful walk down, down, down history lane again. Um, Rose, that has been the Arts News. This Thank has you. been our last podcast together. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to have Andrew, to. I'm I'm devastated. You're not one bit. You're going to be um, ably guided and um, helped through Rose will be joining me absolutely shoulder together Keen. okay yeah. looking forward to it absolutely who needs Andrew Carey we'll march on you well does we'll march on <laughs> there you go okay just in case yeah this is my last post and we'll say no more um, Rose thanks very much that's been awesome um, we'll miss you and you know what you've been the most relaxing <coughs> and professional and endearing of hosts Andrew you really have thanks and you've very much Rose through this process. <laughs> thanks very much Rose uh, I appreciate that um, so we're here in Willie Sexton we're here in Sexton's Bar on Henry Street um, where they're celebrating their new refurbishment where they have Limerick's only wood-fired uh, pizza oven we have been eating pizza Kian for you know stuffed at two hours I'd say now yeah. even though it's an hour-long podcast we've been kind of breaking and eating and and stuff um, Andrew's been sneaking off while I was speaking to people and, I did, yeah. you know I mean you have to sample the fare right there's no way <laughs> you, you can't say anything about it um, this has been the this has been a, a a real journey uh, for me because it was something we started in January we had an idea we'd say we'd do it um, Kian you were immediately on board so I, I have to thank you for that thank it, you for coming to me with you <laughs> yeah no it's, I it's, appreciate it it's yeah. been a it, it, it's been a blast um, you're going to you're going to run with the hair now and take it over <laughs> and have fun. Try to, at least. Yeah, and you just need to keep the likes of Eric mm-hmm. and John Kyo in, keep in, in, in check. Keep him in mind. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> um, so this has been the last Post News Roundup. Uh, I've been your host, Andrew Carey. 
I'd like to thank a couple of people. Keen, obviously, uh, our Limerick Post digital editor, the producer of the podcast, and an all-around good guy. And head of news, Jerry Collison, uh, senior reporter, Bernie English, uh, John Keogh of Sporting Limerick, our ENTS uh, editor, Eric Fitzgerald, our arts editor, um, Rose Rush, um, Megan Scully, who hopped on the board while I went off to interview someone there as well. He did, and um, who's going to um, really set the Limerick Post digital platforms alight um, with, with, some, show with some new shows. Um, and, and to you, Andrew, thank you. It's been a brilliant few months. <laughs> really enjoyable. Yeah, it's been great fun. Um, to our executive producer, Jacqueline Power, and of course to our sponsors uh, throughout the podcasts, uh, and indeed this one, um, Sexton's Bar on Henry Street. Um, with their wood-fired pizza oven. Um, the only one in Limerick. The only one in Limerick, yeah. and it has probably been one of our best podcasts <laughs> because we've had pizza and <laughs> beer. Um, for more news, sport, entertainment, home and living, pet news, motoring, health, and much, much more, um, on all our platforms, turn to Limerick Post every Thursday in print, online, and on our digital platforms, limerickpost.ie, and through all our social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Andrew. Thanks, Keen. Good man. <laughs>